Hey guys, welcome to What's the Word? So glad to have you with us. Like, subscribe, share the broadcast, hit the notification bell. And uh, let's jump in. We're talking in a series on stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. And uh, one of the reasons why we're in this series is because uh, years ago, I actually, uh, years ago, one of the things that happened as a pastor was I saw the people that I was called to pastor and called the shepherd. I kept seeing them get eaten up by spiritual traps, getting eaten up uh, by, you know, basically enemies of God that would throw things in their way. And the way that they did that was basically by thinking that was incorrect. In other words, the world had taught us to think certain ways that wasn't in line with this. So yesterday we talked about uh, the lottery mentality. And if you didn't hear that, that'll be important because there'll be pieces of yesterday's broadcast we'll use today. So definitely go back and watch the lottery broad, uh, broadcast, lottery mentality, and uh, heard a lot of comments after the broadcast yesterday like, wow, that was good, I need to hear that. And uh, that helped me a lot. So go back and watch that. Today we're talking about arrival mentality. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in a little bit. We're going to go into more detail with it today. But arrival mentality is one of the most dangerous traps that you can get into. And the Lord has solutions out of it. But we got to know, first of all, that it's a problem. we got to see it as a problem. We have to recognize it. The Bible says this, that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so I want to give you some knowledge today of the Word, what it says, how the world has taught us incorrectly and opposite of that. And let's get out of that so that we can prosper in everything the Lord has for us. So let's look at this, Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. We talked about this yesterday. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This is the parable of the sower the explanation of it. And Jesus said, And others, other people, are the ones on whom seed was sown, or the Word of God was sown, among the thorns. In other words, in this world, there's a thorniness to it. There's traps. There's things that are set up. And if we are not the ones who have removed those thorns from our lives, if we haven't removed that stinking thinking out of our life, then we can have our harvest stolen before it even gets planted. Uh, There's thorns, there's stinking thinking. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things or worldly things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So in this whole series, what are we doing? We're trying to eliminate those thorns of our life. Eliminate the worries. Eliminate the cares. Eliminate the deceitfulness. Uh, eliminate the things that would draw us off and, and be desires of a flesh man, desires of a corrupted world, and get us to another place so that we can be fruitful, so that we can have a harvest, so that God can uh, have a full manifestation of the blessing in us. If you want the full manifestation of your inheritance in God to come into effect, If that's you, put a hands up in the comment right now. I want that manifestation to be there. If that's you, put it up. All right. Now, we go on from that and see that God wants us to remove these things. But then let's go to John chapter 10 and verse 10. And this is in the Amplified I'm going to read. See, the thief comes only in in order to steal and kill and destroy. 
So all of these worldly things, all of these things from a corrupted nature of the world, from the corrupted nature of our flesh, they have one purpose in mind, to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy you. Because the devil hates God, and because you're made in the image and likeness of God, and God loves you, he hates us. Well, that's, that's all fine and good. There's really nothing he can do about it unless our thinking is off. And if we'll get our thinking back on track, get out of that stinking thinking, we don't have to have stuff stolen from us. We don't have to have stuff destroyed out of our lives and move towards the death that he has in his plans for us. No, we can move towards the life that God has for us. And life, in, in the rest of this verse, you'll see, Jesus said, I came that you may have and enjoy life, and this life is a fullness, it's an overflow. It goes on to say, and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. You know, not just a, enough, not just enough to get by, not even full. No, he wants to overflow into our lives. And uh, so this is what God's plan is for us. This is opposite of what the devil has planned. So what the devil has done is he's created an environment He's created an atmosphere of stinking thinking. And when we think along those same stinking thoughts, those same ungodly, corrupted thoughts, we literally place ourselves in the place of thorns. And the harvest that God wants us to have is stolen. That's what we're attacking so that we can have the full harvest and have a full and abundant life. Today we're talking about arrival mentality. Arrival mentality is an offshoot of lottery mentality. We talked yesterday about lottery mentality. Lottery mentality is basically looking for that one quote unquote magical moment where everything works out and it's all just beautiful. But really what it ends up being is not faith and not diligence, which we're required to have in the kingdom. It ends up being wishing and luck, right? That's a lottery mentality. So rival mentality is an offshoot of lottery mentality, but it's focusing on that one day, watch this, when I get to the finish line and I, when I arrive and I don't have to fight anymore. I don't have to fight. In other words, it's getting to the place where I can just sit back, relax, and I don't have to do anything anymore. Well, here's the issue. At what point in this Bible does it say that you don't have to do anything? It's not in there. Ever. <laughs> we are always required to have faith, and faith without works or faith without action is dead. It's not faith, and, it, and that's how we please God. So, in other words, we're never going to get to the place where we're not active. We're never going to get to the place where we're not active. We will come to places where there's rewards, where there's benefits. We will come to the place in eternity uh, where we have heavenly eternal rewards. But the issue is that doesn't mean that we stop. No, God's given us to oversee the works of his hand, to be in faith, to put our actions towards that faith, to believe God. There's never a place where we, where we stop. There's never a place where we're like put out uh, to pasture and just to graze for the rest of our life. Yes, we will have in the terms of promises, our life will be full, but we always have stuff to do. We always have things to do. Now, the issue is, and watch this and hear this, what you do doesn't have to be toil. 
The Bible very clearly shows us toil came in or a heaviness came in because of the curse. Remember, the toil and the sweat of our brow, that was because the curse came in. And the Bible teaches us that actually he will give us a wealth and riches without sorrow. In Proverbs it tells us that. He'll give you that without adding any sorrow to it. In, for, in Psalms 127 he says, it's vain or it's vanity or it's pride to wake up early, to go to bed late, simply because you're trying to get ahead and eat the bread of painful labor or toiling. Right? This is actually a part of the curse. What does that mean? That means that we can be active and we can even work hard, but we don't have the pressure on us. If you have pressure on you, then it's the wrong kind of work. So in other words, I never have to arrive at the place where the pressure is completely off of me because I'm not walking in the pressure already. I already am walking in what Jesus said in Matthew 11, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. In other words, I'm constantly doing work. I'm, do, I'm working hard. I'm doing the work of the kingdom. But I'm walking with no toil. I have it easy and light. That all of a sudden takes the pressure off of us. We're not looking for a finish line. We're looking for the harvest time. We're not looking for a finish line. We're looking for the harvest time. Put that in the comments. We're not looking for a finish line. We're looking for a harvest time. And I'll add, without toil without toil. All right, now, arrival mentality is an offshoot of lottery mentality. It's focusing on the one day when I don't have to fight. Arrival mentality presents itself in three major phases. Number one, I have arrived. Number two, I want to arrive. And three, someday I'm going to arrive. Let me say this in a little bit different language. Arrival mentality presents itself in three phases. I have finished. I'm done. I'm finished with this task. I'm finished. I'm finished. And not just a task. We can finish tasks, but I'm finished running the race, right? Number two, I want to finish running the race. Right? In other words, I'm looking for an end while I'm still here on the earth. You know, we have a race. As long as we are on the earth, we are in the race. The race is still going on. Some people stop because of an arrival mentality, but they're never supposed to. They're supposed to keep going. All right? Then the third thing is, so one thing is, I, I, won't, I have finished, I want to finish, or the third thing is, Someday I'm going to finish, and I won't have to fight anymore. I won't have to run my race. That is not biblical. See, but a lot of people have problem with that because they've not been living empowered by the grace of God to run their race. They've been running their race all under their own power. And when they run under their own power, they get worn out. Why? Because they're not actually called to do that. They're not anointed to do that. It actually, it says, cast your cares or cast the weight of your race on Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. In other words, he's already carried that weight for you. He's already carried that toil. There's a spiritual uh, revelation to grab a hold here where you can be in the middle of the storm, but you're not carrying the weight of it. 
just like Jesus when he was on the boat. So a lot of times people are in a rival mentality because they're carrying the cares, they're carrying the anxiousness, they're carrying the worry, they're carrying the weight, and you're not called to carry it. Jesus has already carried all of that weight. He's carried every sickness and disease. He's carried every sin. Jesus has already carried every bit of it. And we are called actually to not carry any of it. We just are obedient to God's plan and run his race. And so because we're carrying the weight, many times we're just looking for a a place to finish. Like, God, if I could just get through this, it'll be okay. If I could just be done here, it'll be okay. No, it'll be okay while you're in it if we learn how to draw on Jesus in the middle of it. Look at this, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 12 Verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of, of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us lay it aside. In other words, don't carry the weight, lay it aside. He said, and let us run with endurance, not with a vision to arrive at the end of the race before it's time. No, not to, see, the issue is God's already set the end of the race. That's the end of this life. Nowhere in this life are we called to stop running the race. We're not, at, we're not arriving. Now, we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper because there's some intricacies of this arrival mentality that you'll see, well, I don't really, I don't think I've been doing that. But yet we'll find out we probably have been utilizing this arrival mentality wrongly in some ways. Let's keep reading. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us to, fi- verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, many times we have an arrival mentality because our eyes are not set on Jesus, they're set on the weight. See, our eyes are set on the weight, but not set on Jesus. And because it's set on the weight, we just want to get out from under the weight. See, that would be like Peter, that's exactly what Peter, he had the weight of the wind and the waves, and when he looked at the wind and the waves and took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened in his life? He sunk. He sunk. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started sinking. He lost supernatural power to run the race. He lost supernatural. He was walking on the water in supernatural power. He looks at the weight of the wind and the waves. Immediately he loses supernatural power and he starts to sink. Right? That's what's happened in many of our lives. Well, can you imagine what's going through Peter's head right at that moment? It's like, oh my goodness, this weight is so heavy, I've got to f- get out of this water. No, he didn't really need to get out of the water. He needed to put his eyes back on Jesus. Hear that. He didn't really need to get out of the water. That's what his flesh would have told him. He needed to put his eyes back on Jesus. When we put our eyes on Jesus, we can do the supernatural without toil, easy, and light. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. In other words, he's the author and the finisher. He will actually begin our faith, and he will bring our faith to completion in this race. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross 
despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus was running his race. How did he get to the end of his race? He set his eyes on the things above, and because he set his eyes on the things above, and he set, we know that he set his eyes on the joy of what his race would accomplish. He set his eyes on the joy of bringing in the family of God, and that caused him to endure all the way to the end. In other words, he finished the race. He didn't arrive at a point before that and just say, this is too heavy, this is too much. Now, we know that in the garden, he was tempted in that way. We know he was tempted. And even his flesh, he was saying, look, I don't want to do this. My flesh does not want to do this. Nevertheless, Father, your will be done. In other words, I don't want to. Not my will, because my will wants to be done. My will, my mind, will, and emotions, my fleshly mind, will, and emotions, it wants to be done with this. But Lord, let, let my will not be done, but yours. He set his eyes on the end goal, and even though he wanted to give up the race and arrive at a point, right, where he was done in the flesh, he said, no, I'm going to run my race. And he endured the cross, and he won the victory for all of us because he finished the race. What things has God set before you and before me? What things has God set before you that's going to help multitudes of people if you complete your race? If you don't give up, if you don't get into a rival mentality, you don't get into that place, but you keep running the race. How many multitudes will you help? How many multitudes in heaven will, will come before you and say, thank you for running your faith race. Thank you for finishing. Thank you for not stopping short. But thank you for not arriving, but finishing the race of God. Right? And then watch this. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. So let me ask you this question. At what point, if faith is what pleases him, at what point is faith not going to be required of you? At what point is faith all of a sudden magically going to be, hey, you don't have to have faith anymore? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in that way. So what does that tell us? That tells us we're not going to arrive, while we're here on this earth, we're not going to arrive at a point that we don't need faith. Why do we want to arrive? Generally to be at a place to avoid battles, to avoid challenges, and avoid fights. In the process, arrival mentality subconsciously thinks, I can get to a place where I don't need to use faith anymore. This was a big thing uh, for me. I, I found in my life and in my journey of faith, I found that I was actually sitting there and I was trying to get to this place where I would just speak and pray and everything would magically happen. And this was my first real indication of an arrival mentality. I actually thought that I could get to a place where I would just pray and it would just happen. Just everything I needed would just happen just like that. And what I didn't realize was I was trying to arrive at this one place where I produced this one perfect fruit of faith. Like if I could just produce this for one time, this perfect fruit of faith that I would be there, I would have arrived, and I wouldn't have to work on my faith anymore, right? 
And I had an arrival mentality towards that faith. I, I thought, man, that'll be the day. I'll just stand up. I'll pray over every person. Every one of them will be healed. I'll pray for provision and, and debt will supernaturally fall off of people. And, and it'll just be perfect every single time. And I can just relax because I have arrived at this perfect fruit of faith. Well, it's the funny thing about fruit. It gets old. It gets, it gets worms in it. You know, uh, I've found that even when I've arrived at some places, like in the place of healing, I'll go down the road a couple of years and my faith is not as strong as it was a couple of years ago. Why? Because I fed my faith to get to that place. And then I stopped feeding my faith and it lowered, it lowered, it got smaller and smaller. The Bible teaches us that faith comes by continuous hearing of the word of God. In other words, at what point should I stop feeding my faith? Never, never. And so I was believing that I could get to this place where I would just, I'd, I'd reach this kind of supernatural faith revelation and it would just work for me. And the Lord told me, he said, I'm not calling you to produce one perfect fruit of faith. He said, I'm calling you to always have fruit of faith. So that when I come walking by, just like Jesus came by the fig tree, there's not one perfect fruit one time. No, I want the fruit to be on you, whether it's faith or any other fruit. It should be on you constantly, a consistent, present faith, right? Always having faith. He said, don't worry about how big and how perfect and how shiny they are. Just have some fruit and get it consistently. And over time, they'll get more perfect. And over time, you'll produce more. But your job is to always produce fruit. The Bible teaches us that he will come in uh, to his kingdom and he'll come into the body of Christ. And what's he looking for? Fruit. He's looking for fruit. He never wants to come there and, and you say, oh, well, I don't have any fruit for you today, Jesus, because at one point I did produce the perfect fruit, but, you know, it's been a long time and I hadn't, I hadn't even looked at that anymore. I haven't fed my fruit, and so I'm sorry I don't have any for you today. No, without faith it's impossible to please Him. We're supposed to carry fruit all the time, a consistent and constant fruit all the time. I'm not arriving at one perfect fruit. No, I'm called to carry fruit consistently. Amen. So again, why do we want to arrive? Generally, to be at a place to avoid the battles, to avoid the challenges, and enjoy, uh, avoid the fights. In the process, arrival mentality subconsciously thinks I can get to a place where I don't need to use faith anymore, don't need to apply the disciplines and the diligence of God. Arrival mentality will hold you at the place of stagnation and impotence, or it will hold you in much frustration. So here's what happened with me. I didn't give up on producing the perfect faith, so, but here's what happened. I got so frustrated because I never got to that place. I thank you, Miss Susie. She said that's really good. And you know, here's the thing: I never got to the place where I got that perfect faith. I never got that perfect fruit of faith. And then I started beating myself up for it. I was sitting there, and I was like, "God, I've not arrived at this. I should be at the place where I could just pray, and everything happens." And and I was beating myself up for it. I got very discouraged. I got very. Uh, I got to the place of complete disappointment in myself. Why? Because it was trying to happen through me. 
not letting fruit without toil be there through Jesus, I was trying to produce the perfect fruit. I was trying to arrive at this place instead of just consistently carrying some fruit. Did you know some fruit is better than no fruit? And if I get discouraged, and put that in the comments, some fruit is better than no fruit. Now that doesn't mean that we should, that doesn't mean that we should get to the place where we just let go of all fruit or we just like, well, I got a little bit of fruit, so I'm okay. No, we're supposed to always increase. So some fruit is better than none. But if I always have an arrival mentality, I'm going to get discouraged. And what will happen is I'll stop producing at all. Because of my discouragement, I'll just say, this isn't working. I tried that. It didn't work. And I'll give up on faith. And I've watched many people do that because they're trying to create something the Bible didn't tell them to create. They're trying to, to get done. They're trying to get to a finish point that God said wasn't there. He never said. They're trying to get to an arrival point that God didn't say. Three different phases of arrival mentality. All right? Three different phases. I have arrived. Like if you're running a race, you arrive, and listen to this, I have arrived or I have finished. You arrive at a flesh-based checkpoint instead of the end of the race. Right? Remember like uh, the, the tortoise and the hare. Remember the hare was so, he was so prideful in himself that he actually stopped. Whereas the tortoise just kept going and eventually won the race because the hare got distracted. So imagine that in our walk, we, we have our flesh that sets an arrival point in our life. And we feel like if I can just get to that perfect place of faith, then I'll be good. So maybe we get to that place. And so then we just stop and we relax. We fall asleep on our, on our responsibilities. And in the meantime, we lose the race. So when we arrive... Uh, we are looking to arrive not at a God-set or spirit-led checkpoint, but a flesh-based checkpoint instead of the end. When we say, I want to arrive, then I'm working on, an, on arriving, and the checkpoint becomes the end. In other words, if, I'm, if I constantly am looking to arrive and not just be continuous in my diligence, then all of a sudden I'm setting a point that I can stop. But it's short of the end. It's short of the finish line that God has set. It's a finish line that our flesh has set, that the world has set. Some people would say, well, if you had, you know, if you had a church in Stanley County with a thousand people, you have arrived. Says who? I know churches, you know, in Stanley County, there's like 60,000 people. In Albemarle, there's about 25,000 in Greater Albemarle. I know some churches that have 3,000 people in the county, um, and they'll have 4,500 at the church. More people at the one church than is in the county. You know, so who says that that's the arrival point? Did the Holy Spirit say that? You know, now who says that a million dollars a year in your business is an arrival point? Did the Holy Spirit say that? Or did just the world teach us that that's good enough? See, an arrival point causes us to settle. An arrival point causes us to settle. 
Then if we say, someday I'm going to arrive, this is basically like the lottery mentality. I keep looking for an end that really is nowhere near. I can get frustrated. I can get, I can get upset. We can't have arrival mentality. I wrote this, arrival mentality can be very frustrating because you think you've conquered something before, but then you face it again. Now, now that probably opened up the eyes of a lot of people right there. You ever worked on something, you thought you were done with it spiritually, and a year or two later, all of a sudden, here it fleshes up in your face, and you're like, it! I thought I did this before. It's because we keep looking for an arrival. Like we think we're going to check this off. I'll never have to face it again. And what we do is we actually settle in our diligence. We settle in our discipline. We pause in our race. And all of a sudden, it builds up strength again behind the scenes. And we got to face it again. Or, oh, watch this, we set an arrival point that only we can see at this moment. But what we don't realize is that race goes way beyond that arrival point. And there's more, there's more checkpoints beyond that you can't see. Now think about this. If God is so big that he says, I'm, I want to do more in your life before, uh, more, than, more abundantly, far more abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think, then don't we know already that for us to set an arrival point is short-sighted? Listen, write that down. For us to set an arrival point without the Holy Spirit's leading is very short-sighted because God's always going to give us an arrival point beyond what we can see. That's what faith means. It's beyond what I can see. I, I don't have sight to see it. In other words, if we set an arrival point based off of what we can see, then all of a sudden we're saying, I can stop when I get here. And immediately our mindset, our corrupted thinking says, I'm done. Yeah. I'm finished. And so we, we feel like now we need to pause. Instead of picking up speed and picking up momentum at those checkpoints, we always stop. And so we lose momentum. Then we got to crank it up again after six months when we're condemned over our, over our pause. And then we got to crank it up again. Then we set an arrival point and we stop again and we pause. Instead of just gaining momentum to keep running the race with everything we got, pulling on Jesus and the Holy Spirit as our empowering force, the grace of God, let us, let, how about we run with momentum? We run, I think uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I think it actually says that in maybe the message in one of the translations that we run with momentum. We don't just start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. No, that's how an arrival mentality thinks. Let us run with a momentum empowered by God. So one of the things that you see is that many times we'll say, well, I, I have to, I'll work on this. And we think we have it conquered. Then it comes up again. There's many different levels of faith. There's many different things, levels that we will grow through, many different checkpoints that we will go through. Instead of letting the checkpoints be our stopping point or a pausing point where we lose momentum, let the checkpoints be a momentum booster. Let it be a turbo for our walk. Glory to God, here we are, let's keep going. You know, where's that kind of person that goes, let, let me keep going because you're not going on your own strength. We're not going on our own strength. We're going on the strength of God. See, an arrival mentality is very short-sighted. It's a small vision. 
And it, and it feeds that. Arrival mentality ultimately stems from not taking your race strategies and goals from the Holy Spirit. Hear that again. An arrival mentality ultimately stems from not taking your race strategies and your goals from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, now I'm not talking about setting goals. I'm not talking about goal setting. I'm talking about an arrival mentality that wants to stop after you hit those goals, right? That, that wants to pause. And a lot of times we're looking at it because we're looking at the wrong source for our strength, the wrong source for the run. You know, if, if a professional runner gets into the race and all he eats going into the race is junk food the week before, right? When he gets in the middle of a long race, he's going to break down. Why? He had the wrong source. An arrival mentality takes us to the wrong source. We're looking at ourselves and our flesh to set the checkpoints and to empower us. Instead of getting our checkpoints from God and our goals from God, the word from God, what to do, where to do, how to do it, right? Instead of receiving that by the Holy Spirit, we're receiving those checkpoints from Him, and instead of re receiving power and spiritual nutrition, supernatural grace to run the race, we try to do it in our own strength, in our own logic. Okay? So arrival mentality ultimately stems from not taking your race strategies and goals from the Holy Spirit. The spiritual problems of arrival mentality are Romans 8.14, you set the checkpoints, not the Holy Spirit. Philippians 3.14, if you do feel like you've arrived, generally we'll stop what, what got us there, stagnate, and go backwards. If we get to a place where we feel like we've arrived, we'll generally pause and stagnate and get stale, and eventually we'll go backwards. Matthew 25.14-30, uh, the parable of the talents, because the people think that they have arrived, they bury their talents and their faith, and they lose momentum. And this is, this is wickedness, right? We're not supposed to do that. In other words, I'm not supposed to say I arrived at that point and then just stop. No, I'm supposed to keep going. That's just a checkpoint along the way saying, hey, you're on the right track. Keep it up. Keep kicking, right? Faith says, what can I do now at this higher place with more resources? Faith says, okay, now I'm here at this checkpoint that God gave me. What can I do now? What can we do now? Right? <laughs> Amen. Arrival mentality says, look at me. Let me enjoy what I've, what I've earned. Let that sit. John 14, 15. Generally, pride forms and love is lost in their actions. So this says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, we don't continue keeping his commandments because we feel like we've arrived. And a lot of times, here's the thing about arrival mentality, we want everybody to see it. <laughs> Look at what we've accomplished. Look at these numbers we're having, you know, uh, in our church. Look at this. Look at what God, you know, we will say, look at what God's done. But what we really want is we want people to see, you know, what we've done. And, and we lose in pride we lose what we actually had. Luke 6, 46. You direct the race. When you're in arrival mentality, we direct the race, not Jesus. We direct the race, not Jesus. 
Philippians 4, 6 through 8, we think on false prizes and checkpoints in life versus God. So we're meditating on a false prize. We're meditating on a false uh, location instead of meditating on him, seeking him, setting our eyes on Jesus, setting our eyes on things above, things that are worthy of praise. John 15, 10 and 11. When we have, when we have an arrival mentality, we don't enjoy the journey. And because we don't enjoy the journey, we have no joy and we're a bad witness. We, we miss the whole point. Like, we should be running our race. What does the Bible teach us? Full of joy. Full of joy. Full of joy. I mean, running the race. If you've ever watched the movie, um, oh, man, whoo, 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 glory to God. If you've ever watched the movie uh, Chariots of Fire, there's a, there's a thing that makes me, I'm about to tear up right now thinking about it. He says, when I run, because he was gifted to run, and I want you to know, you might not be a physical runner, but every one of you and every one of us is called to be a spiritual runner. And I want you to hear this. He says, when I run, I feel your presence. And he kicks, he kicks his head back, and he just has a smile. How, that's the way we're supposed to be, that when we run, we feel his presence, and the joy of the Lord is on us. Oh, glory to God. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not sitting there like, oh, God, Lord, this is so hard. This is so, if I'll just get to this checkpoint, I can, oh, I can give up for a little while. No, that's not the way it's designed. We draw on the grace of God. See, what that runner, what Eric got in that movie, and, and he got the point where he realized my strength doesn't come from me. My strength comes from the supernatural grace of God. And while he ran, he felt the presence of God, like Elijah running in front of the chariots, and, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord came on. That's how we're supposed to run our, our race every single day of our life. Lord, I feel your presence today. And yeah, there's, there's some ground that's being left behind. There's some work involved. But when I, when I engage your presence... I don't feel the toil anymore. I feel your presence, and you feel me, and you strengthen us, Lord, to run a race. And I'm going to tell you, when the earth looks on to a Christian really running his race in the presence of God, there's something special. There's a hope that's seen. There's a joy, a confidence, an expectation of finishing the race on earth in God's perfect will, a blessed hope looking for his return. And the world itself will say, how can you do that? How are you able to do that? Mm, glory to God. When we're in a rival mentality, a spiritual problem, Hebrews eleven six, we feel like we can reach a place where faith is not needed anymore. It's not true. An example of arrival mentality. Let me, let me show you some areas where we could be operating uh, in arrival mentality. It, we might say things like this. If I can just get blank, everything will be okay. If I can just get this, everything will be all right. You're, in other words, you set a checkpoint to determine your joy. You set a checkpoint, you've set it, 
to determine your joy and to determine your happiness. We've set that checkpoint. Uh, here, here's another example. I'll be happy when I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's not your happiness. That's not the source of your happiness. How about this? I'll be happy when I get married. We've set a checkpoint that's not necessarily God. That's not where your happiness comes from. That's not your, listen, the per, person you marry is not the source of your joy and happiness. God is always the source. Now, he'll bless you through that person, but that person themselves is not it. When we set that, it's a counterfeit checkpoint and a rival mentality that's unhealthy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. When I have grandkids, I'll be happy. That's not true. When I get this, if I don't get this perfect job, I won't be happy. That's an arrival mentality that's setting you up to be disappointed. Because even if you get the job, it won't bring you what you think it's bringing you. Why? Because those things are only found in God. Those things are only found in God. When I have this much in the bank account, then I'll be happy. What, what Buddy said, when I retire, and everything's looking towards when you retire, you can have the joy now. You can have the overflow now. You can have the time now and still not be retired. We're never called to be retired. All right? Watch this. Well, I, I have my health and my family, so I'm all right. You feel like you have arrived at a place of health and family, so I'm okay. And so you stop pushing in faith for an overflow. That's God's will. Well, when this challenge or this battle or this race, when is this challenge ever going to end? It just feels like it'll never stop. That's a thinking that we have when we have an arrival mentality. Now, this one's going to end, and I'm going to keep on running. Glory to God, in the name of Jesus, he's always leading me to triumph. He's always taking me by the hand and providing a way of escape for me in Jesus' name. Glory to God, in this thing, I'm passing through the valley of the shadow of death right now. I'm going to get to the other side, and I'm going to keep on running. That's where we should be. I just want to get this behind me so I can relax. So can you see, are you starting to see, like put it in the comments, are you starting to see, yeah, I'm, st say, yeah, I'm starting to see, are you starting to see how we've been in a rival mentality a lot more than what we thought and how it actually takes away from our race and is not pleasing to the Lord? And not only that, uh, but we, we start to see that, hey, this has been holding me back. This has been limiting what God's called me to do. Here's, here's some more examples. I just want to get on top of faith so I don't need to struggle anymore. I just want to get on top of healing so I don't need to str struggle anymore. I just want to get on top of prosperity so I don't have to have the bill collectors call me anymore. No, you just keep on, you just say, all right, fine, keep studying to show yourself approved. But that thinking of I just want to get to a place is that's what's holding us back. We have this arrival mentality, and we think that we're just going to stop running when we get there. No, we're going to actually pick up speed because we're going to walk in more power, more strength. You are going to walk in more strength and more power and more grace and more momentum than you've ever had before. You will be a light to be seen by the glory of God. You are called to great and mighty things, and God is going to pour it out on you. You're going to pick up speed. You're not going to slow down and 
stop or take a breather. No, you're going to pick it up because you're going to be so strengthened with the things of God. It's going to be a sight to behold. That's who you're called to be. Hallelujah. Other examples of arrival mentality. When I get this job position, everything will be all right. When the church for pastors and ministers, when the church or the ministry reaches so many members or partners, everything will be okay then. Everything's okay now. <laughs> Everything's okay now. God's always leading you to triumph now. You're not going to have triumph when you get to a certain level. You have triumph now as your inheritance. Here's this. Well, if I could just find the perfect church. You're not going to find one that's perfect. You're going to have to keep on putting on diligence. You're going to have to keep on forgiving people. Pastor's going to say stuff you don't like. <laughs> you, you have a race to run now, and let's keep on putting on that diligence. What do we gain when we ditch arrival mentality? A true joy and peace is returned to our daily life. Put that, put that in. When, when I ditch arrival mentality... A true joy and peace is returned to my daily life. A true joy and peace is returned to my daily life, not just once a month. Every day, every day, glory to God. When you ditch arrival mentality, fulfillment and satisfaction becomes yours instead of half satisfactions and counterfeited measures. Let me say it again. When we ditch arrival mentality, fulfillment and satisfaction become yours instead of half fulfilled and counterfeited measures. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Think about this. If I pause at every checkpoint, what runner running a race that's running to win stops at every snack and drink station? Like when you look at the marathon, they'll grab that cup and they, they throw it down and they keep on running. They'll grab another one, throw it down, and they keep on. They don't stop. Not the ones that are going for the win. He says, run in such a way that you win. They, they don't have an arrival mentality. They might say, hey, here's a checkpoint, but there's a finish line. I'm not stopping until I get to the end. This is a command from God. Run in such a way that you may win. And if he says to do that, he'll empower you to run that way. He'll empower you. 25, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. See, in order to ditch some of these things, we've got to be diligent. We've got to be disciplined. We must put self-control. Put those emotions down. Put those wrong thoughts down. Lord, I go after you. I resist the devil, and he will flee. He said, then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we receive an imperishable. In other words, we have a prize that will not fade away. We have an award that's eternal. We're running for that. We're running for that eternal prize. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. 
I box this in such a way as not beating the air. In other words, he says, I have a plan. I have a strategy, and I'm not just wasting my efforts. See, a lot of times when we have an arrival mentality, we're literally wasting our efforts because we'll run to get to a point we completely lose uh, lose momentum, and we've allowed the, the arrival mentality to weight us down again so that it's hard to get going again. He says, but I discipline my body, or I discipline my flesh and my fleshly ways, and I make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Hear that. See, the arrival mentality thinks ahead of time, at the wrong time, I've arrived, I've laid hold of it. Look at what the Holy Spirit says through Paul. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting the pain, forgetting, forgetting the challenges, forgetting the traps, forgetting how hard it was. No, I don't think on how hard it was. That'll cause me to fall. That'll cause me to fail. No, I don't think on how hard it is. I don't think on the wind and the waves that I've seen and I may even know that there's some in the future. I don't even think about that hard stuff. I set my eyes on Jesus and endure so that I can run. He says, look, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I say that. Put that in the comments, all caps. I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. We must run the race. Let me ask you a question. All right, sobering question. What if Jesus had had a rival mentality? Would he have been without sin if he stopped short of the cross and the grave? No, because he wouldn't have been in obedience. He wouldn't have been in faith. What if he had a rival mentality? Hey, I've gotten to the garden. I've gotten no sin. I really don't feel like going to the cross right now. I don't feel like continuing to run the race and finishing the race. So I'm just going to stop here. Hey, Lord, you know, I did it without sin. You know, I, you know, I lived the whole life without sin. And no, he had to finish the race. Would he have been able to finish the race had he had a rival mentality? No. See, the arrival mentality itself is a looking at the now instead of looking for the end of the race. It's a sin. What if Jesus stopped running his race? Where would you and I be? Where would you and I be? Put this in the comments. Where would you and I be if Jesus had a rival mentality and stopped running his race? Please put that in the comments. Where would we be if Jesus had a rival mentality and stopped running his race. See, every person has a race, has a destiny, has a, has a goal that God has set and a destiny and rewards that he wants to give and people that he wants them to lead to the Lord and be inspirational to. Every person has their own race. What would happen if Jesus didn't finish his race? So what gives us the right for us to think that we can't and finish our race? No, we have to finish our race. We've got to finish our race. 
Put it in the comments now. I've got to finish my race. I've got to finish my race. I've got to finish my race, and God will empower me. I've got to finish my race, and God will empower me. Glory to God. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. Oh, let that be your testimony. Let that be our testimony, Lord. We fought the good fight. We finished our course here on the earth. We've kept the faith. Lord, we don't want to arrive ahead of time. We don't want to have an arrival mentality. Lord, let that testimony be ours. We fought the good fight. We finished our course. We kept the faith. You're in the middle of doing that right now. You're not going to lose. You're not going to stop. You're going to finish it. You're going to fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. You're going to accomplish your race. You're going to run it by the power of God. You've got to finish it. We're going to get there together. We're going to celebrate in Jesus together, finishing that course, finishing our race. Glory to God. Put your hands up in the comments. Give God some glory. We're going to finish that. Will you finish your race? Are you receiving that? You can't finish well if you don't start well. Let's all start. See, right now, today, we may have messed up the race in the past, but today we begin the rest and the end of our race. Today, right now, right now, we begin the end of our race. Let's start the beginning of this end to our race. Let's start it the way we're supposed to. I want you to pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You're, you're the coach of my race. You'll give me commands, and I'm going to follow them. I'm going to follow commands to lay aside sin in my life, emotions that are not of you, thoughts that are not of you, I'm going to follow your commands as you coach this race. Jesus, you are the Lord and the director of my life. And I believe that where I couldn't make it, you paid the price going to the cross and to the grave for my mess-ups, for my sin. And you buried my sin in that grave, you carried the weight of it on that cross. And I believe that your righteousness brought righteousness to me and raised you up from the dead. And when God raised you up from the dead, he didn't leave me in that place of death. But because of you that made me righteous, he could raise me supernaturally back to life to run a race. Lord, today I receive the command to run my race, not looking back on the messed up race behind, but for the rest of this race, I give you me. I put my flesh in place and I give you my race. I won't have a rival mentality. I won't have stinking thinking but I'll finish to win for you. Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Ghost and with fire to run the race 
in all of your glory and your fullness of power and grace, I will run and finish my race. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. If you needed to pray that, if you need to hear this message today, put it up right now in the, in the comments. Glory to God, I needed to hear that. I'm changing how I run the race. You can just put that and say, I'm changing. Today, I'm changing how I run the race. You know, I think all of us can be inspired by those things. I'm changing how I run my race. Don't set a rival mentality. Don't have that, that thinking. Just enjoy the race. You know, feel his presence. Even when the pressures of the wind and the waves start hitting you and hitting your life, just look at Jesus and enjoy the sweet victory over all the weapons that the enemy tries and enjoy the presence of, of God just like Eric, you know, in that movie. You know, that's a real-life story. That was, that was a real story, Chariots of Fire, that happened. Just enjoy that race. Glory to God. Just as much as running your race in every way, this is also a part of running your race. We open up a time for people to sow. I encourage you to sow. That's a part of your race. Do you realize that a lot of people, when they actually uh, sow, they, they feel the pressure of it, and they're like, golly, if I, can just, if I could just sow this much money, I'd be there. It's an arrival mentality. Enjoy what you're sowing right now. No matter how big or how small, enjoy every seed you sow. It's a part of running the race. And, and here's the great thing. When we sow it, it's not just gone. No, it's planted. <laughs> it's planted with a multiplied harvest in its future. You have, when you sow, you have a multiplied harvest in your future. As they put up the stuff to give today, I encourage you, run your race even in your sowing and, and get that multiplied harvest in your future. Imagine this. Imagine running a race and you're running laps and you're deep into this race and all of a sudden you know that you, you got one little couple, cup of, of juice and it's really awesome and you take half of it and then the other half of it, you take it and you throw it into a bucket. And let's say that somehow some way in this in this in a promise that when you sow that you come back around and you'll have a full cup every time you come back around would you give up one half cup to have a full cup every time you come around that's what sowing does in our lives. And when you sow finances, when you sow service, you know, we've got people here that are serving you every single day to get the word to you so that your life won't, won't fall into a lesser, uh, a lesser way than what God has planned for you. When they sow their time, they're sowing uh, and they're going to reap a harvest of the blessing of God, not only in this time, but also in the time to come. When, they, when people sow financially, they're sowing into their future. They're sowing a multiplied return into their future, no matter how they sow. When they sow prayers, they're sowing the will of God into their own life as they go. When they literally make comments and like and share and subscribe and share it with their friends and send the link, they're showing, they're sowing the gospel into that. That means they're going to receive the gospel manifested in their own lives. Every seed has a multiplied harvest. And so I encourage you today, you, we give this and we sow this broadcast into you. If you feel led of the Lord, Lord, I want to sow. I want to support what they're doing around the world. In Lunch Plus, you have that opportunity. You don't have to. 
You, nobody has to. But if you'd like to, you're welcome to. They have it there on the screen on Facebook. You can type in the comments, hashtag donate, followed by the amount. You can own uh, Cash App. You can do cash tag, give www. Everybody can go to giveww.org. You got text to give. You have PayPal. You have even Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. If you'd like to give like that, be the first person that gives in the into Lunch Plus by cryptocurrency. Somebody could do that. That'd be awesome. I look forward to that. And uh, so you can do that one at one time or you can give continually and partner with us. When you do that, actually the word makes a promise. He says when you become a partner of getting the word out, you actually start to partake of the same grace, that supernatural power and favor that's on the ministry and on our lives, it comes into your life as well. So if you'd like to do that, you can set up that recurring giving at giveww.org. And uh, there, it's right there. <laughs> I'll get better at these words one day. It's right there. And uh, you can give right there. We love you so very much. And listen, tomorrow, this is going to be awesome. Tomorrow we're talking about drive through mentality. You're going to like that one. It's fun. Look at all these. I'm changing how I run my race. This meant a lot to me. Kelly said this meant a lot to me. Praise God, Kelly. That's awesome. Nicole and I love you so very much, and we believe in you. Uh, Caleb said, wow, thank you for this word. I really, really need to hear this message today. It's an answer prayer. Hallelujah, Caleb. Amen. That Glory to God. That is so awesome. We love you so very much. Buddy is going to wrap it up here. We'll see you tomorrow with drive-through mentality. We're going to be talking about that. Listen, we got three weeks of stinking thinking mentalities we're going to cover. Think about that. If you can, if you, that's 15 topics that we're looking at. It might be, it might be a little less, might be a little more. Think about it. If, if it's 15 topics, 15 areas of, of demonic garbage we can rid our lives of, how much higher is your life going to be just in three weeks of this series? It's going to be awesome. I'll see you tomorrow. Here's Buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. This was an awesome broadcast. And, guys, we want to say this one more time. Make sure if this completely opened your eyes to a mentality that you might have been battling with and you didn't even recognize it, that, that is a for sure guarantee that there's someone in your life who's probably going through this mentality that they don't even recognize it. So please, like, share this broadcast, get the word out. Uh, every share that you do is a seed into this ministry. It actually helps get this word out. YouTube gets this word out to more people when you share, when you like, when you comment. Um, when you go back and just watch it later, you know, all these different things, get the word out. We don't have to pay for YouTube to, to share this. YouTube does it naturally when you guys are, when you guys take a part in sowing those seeds. So we would encourage you to do that. Also, we want to let you guys know, uh, we were announcing a couple weeks ago about a series of meetings with Onkit, with, uh, Evangelist Onkit. And we want to let you know that those meetings are being rescheduled um, they will not be happening in April, but they will be happening later on this year. So make sure you stick around. We'll give you more information about that as that information comes to us. But guys, we love you. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about drive through mentality. What is that? We'll find out tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow at 1130 for Lunch Plus. Love you guys.